1: Hello, and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I am Kate Spencer. I am Dori Shafrier And we are not experts. We are not, but we are
0: two friends who like to talk a lot about serums.
1: We do together, and you can always visit our website, Forever 35 Podcast, for links to everything we mention on our show You can find us on Twitter at forever35pod, on Instagram at forever35podcast, and you can join the Forever 35 Facebook group where the password
0: is serums. You can also shop our fave prods at shopmyshelf.us slash forever35. You can sign up for the newsletter at forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. But just a reminder, newsletter is going on hiatus for July while Kate and I are on vacay. So is Instagram. Yes.
1: So are we, Dory. So are we. So are we.
0: If you want to reach us, you can call or text us at 781 5910390 and you can email us at Forever 35 Podcast
1: at gmail.com. Don't hesitate to text or call or email us while we are on vacation because we will be looking at that later.
0: Uh, we will be. Yes, indeed. we love
1: to hear from you. Even if you know, even if we're taking the week off, it's always a treat to come back to some messages.
0: It always is. It always is.
1: But the the fun thing is that you and I are both traveling. Which I mean, it always presents itself as a challenge, doesn't it? Like even it does. even if you're traveling alone and you have it down, there's always something. Yep, there's always something. Kate, how are you I doing just, about traveling? Okay, well, I am uh I'm going to be doing a, a bit of it this summer and um I just actually made up a new travel hack literally 10 minutes before sitting down to talk to you today. Wow. Here's the deal. Um I'm my daughter is traveling and she's going to be away for a little bit this summer and this is my daughter who use, now uses the very specific Davina's hair shampoo and conditioner because she's got very thick, wavy hair. Right, right, right. so right. while she's away, we <laughs> I was like, let's make sure you have your special conditioner. But it comes – it's almost like a jar of peanut butter. Like it's not – it comes in a jar. Now, I am determined to travel on this trip without um, checking bags. I don't want them to get lost. I just like I just don't want to deal. I don't want to deal with checking it back. But this conditioner is eight ounces of conditioner in a jar, and you know TSA is going to come at me if I come on that plane with an eight ounce jar of conditioner. They'll find it. They always oh, they, do. They a hundred percent will. So I bought these, you know, TSA approved little rubber shampoo travel bottles. And I was like, we'll just, you know, we'll move all the <laughs> shampoo and conditioner into these bottles, which are the right size. It's a ridiculous song and dance. Don't even get me started, but we're just gonna do it. Well the condition the shampoo went in okay from the bottle. The conditioner, because it's in a jar, I I, I realized way too late. I was like, how are we gonna get this like goopy Thick consistency conditioner. It's thick, Dory. I'm I'm serious when I say it is a nut butter level consistency. How oh, wow. am I going to get a nut a nut butter into this <sighs> tiny jar, tiny you know mushy jar? Well, I dug around in my baking cabinet and I found I don't know what these things are called because I don't bake, but they are like the little metal things you use for frosting with a with a pointy plastic bag. I'm sure these yes, have yes names. yes yes yes. You know um, what I'm talking about, right? Yes,
0: I do. It's a I think it's a a pastry bag.
1: Okay. A pastry bag, let's say, and then the pointy thing that yep. you make designs with. Okay. Well I'm I've, loving I've, this so far. <laughs> I busted those out and I scooped the jar of conditioner into that pastry bag. And I used that pastry bag and that little metal thing to squirt this thick ass conditioner into this travel bottle. Mm
0: -hmm. And I
1: felt like a fucking genius. Okay. Because you know, you're always, when you're always trying to move products from a bigger bottle to a little bottle, Mm -hmm. they spill and then you're like, Mm -hmm. your hands are covered in shampoo Mm -hmm. So this is my new travel hack. If you have to fill a tiny bottle with like an unwheeled, like a challenging product, get a pastry bag and a little pointy pastry cap squirty thing.
0: Okay. This is kind of genius.
1: It was, I felt literally my daughter and I were like, look at us. Because we had tried spooning it in and it was like, oh, this is, this is bad. We're not, we're not going to be able to spoon this in with the one baby spoon I have left into this tiny bottle. So right. I felt pretty proud of myself. That's my new travel hack. I didn't, I made it up. I didn't read it anywhere. I didn't find it on buzzfeed.com. I made it up. Maybe, wow. maybe it's already out there in the world, but I felt pretty proud of myself. Kate. Yep. You are, proud. you are, you are an influencer. I am right. I should be on yes. TikTok with all the other Mormon mom bloggers and just influencing like crazy with my one hack.
0: Yes, exactly. It's a life tip. Um, you know, I am actually, I would like to solicit some life tips from our listeners or from you. Okay. You know, I do one of the, I would say one of the kind of sneaky benefits about being a quote unquote older mom is that most of your peers have older kids. And they can, first of all, they give me, they give me so many hand-me-downs. That
1: and, is a big bonus.
0: Um, there's always like a, like a sounding board for any of my questions. It's really helpful. I will say. Anyway, um, Kate, I will soon be traveling across the country with a three-year-old. My three-year-old,
1: <laughs> not a random three-year-old. Not a random three-year-old.
0: Now we, ever since our disastrous trip last summer, we've 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 made some modifications.
1: <laughs> okay, and if we can just refresh everyone's memory, this is when your plane what changed course in the air and went to Buffalo, and then you fell on your son's throw-up. Okay,
0: we. I think it was Rochester. First of all, okay. Sorry. Second of all, yeah, there was a leak in the control tower at JFK. So they had grounded all flights and <laughs> and Dory. rerouted everyone. Dory. And we were in the Rochester airport for like four or five hours. And there was just like a cascade failure of like various other things that went wrong. Like the plane was too big for the airport. So they couldn't pull all the way up to the gate. So they had to stop like close to the gate, but they couldn't like their jetway did not connect to our airplane. So we had to get on this, like they, and they or like, maybe it did. And they overshot. I don't know. There was something where we all had to get on this, like hydraulic lift bus thing to Dory. travel 10 feet to the gate. Dory. After we had been on the <laughs> plane for like an extra hour or something. And um, Henry was like losing it, understandably.
1: Yeah, I would Uh, be too.
0: Anyway, yes. Then we, we like booked it to Five Guys, which was like one of the only places open in the wing of the Rochester airport where we were. And Henry is like standing on a chair and I'm like, oh, like, let's be careful that he doesn't fall. And then literally I turned my back for half a second and he crashed to the ground. Oh, God. And I think it was just the shock of it all. And he had just eaten and he threw up all over me. Now, thankfully, I had packed a change of clothes. Although I guess I did miss my chance to get like a Rochester (laughs) T-shirt. in the airport. You know, that's always my
1: dream that you're going to be like really cold on vacation and you won't have a sweatshirt so you'll have to buy the local tourist yeah. sweatshirt. <laughs>
0: totally. Um, and then and then I was holding Henry who was still pretty hysterical. Matt went to get some napkins to try to wipe up the throw up and then I slipped and fell on Henry's puke whilst holding Henry. It was, it was like, it was like, <laughs> what the fuck else can go wrong? Like, honestly, what else can go wrong? Oh my I mean, God, I guess I there's always, this. there's always more that can go wrong, as I learned, but like, of course, that, but that was really, that was like, pretty up there. Anyway, we, you know, obviously stuff like that is out of our control, like, I do not have control over the weather as much as I would like to. Um, or, you know, pilot shortages or any of the various horrible things that I've been reading about <laughs> what traveling is. I know. Like right I'm now. so
1: nervous. I know. Um
0: so I'm trying not to like let I'm trying not to get ahead of myself with that anxiety, you know, because like yeah. there's nothing I can do about it right now. As of today, my flight is still going, so I don't know, we'll see. Um but I was wondering if people had any thoughts on traveling with a 3-year-old. We are going to be bringing a car seat onto the plane. Um so he will be like somewhat contained and we are planning on downloading probably every episode of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse onto an iPad. Um and he do- he will watch stuff on the plane. So like there that is You know, that's okay. But I'm just wondering if there's like other stuff or if there's like particular COVID stuff that I should be mindful of. Or, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I just, just throwing it out there would love any and all thoughts.
1: Well, here's what I used to do when my kids were a bit younger. I don't do it as much anymore because they are easily just fully entertained by watching an iPad. Like they'll download their own TV shows and watch them. But, When they were younger, like let's say under seven and under, in addition to the iPad, I mean, one I would say if if Henry is at all interested, I mean, you could just download them to have. Look for like toddler-friendly iPad games because there are a bunch, and that might engage Mm. him in a way that a TV show would not. And they're not like, you know, they're not like there's there's a lot of educational ones if you want to go that route. Um, Now
0: that you mention it, I had once downloaded. Khan Academy, I think.
1: Oh, Khan Academy like,
0: kids. Yeah, Khan Academy kids. Um, out of desperation when like we didn't have childcare and it was like too hot to go outside. I don't remember exactly what the circumstances were, but yeah, we did download it and he did enjoy that. So that's a great idea. When I even can remember you use my it, kids can you
1: use it offline
0: no right yes, there
1: are, you well, you have to check which um like double check so check everything before yeah. you go that you download. I mean, my kids had a game where it was literally like a screen would come up and it'd be all different animals, and you would just like tap the animal and it would make the animal sound, and this entertained them. I vaguely remember this game. So that's one thing I do. Another thing I do is I make sure I have extra snacks. Like yes, I pack yes, yes. double what I think a child could eat. And I pack like, I try to pack like an exciting snack. Like I'll, there's always like a treat that they might not normally have or just something in there to be like, ooh, we're on a plane and we get this thing. Then I also like to either go to like the dollar store or the like bins right when you walk into a Target where everything's like one to $3. Or even just the regular kind of kid toy section and get some fun new toys and activities that they've never seen before. Mm -hmm. Like a new, now I know again, every child is different. Every child's a different age, but like some sort of coloring or activity book or even like a pad of paper and big ass crayons and they can just like, even if it entertains them for two minutes. Yeah, totally. You have it. Um, And the dollar store and that like walk in Target section is great for just, you know toys that it's okay if they don't make it back home.
0: Mm, great call. You great know? call. Yep. And yep, then yep, uh yep.
1: then a, maybe a book if they have or a new book. I like to put a new book in. Mm. Or if they have a book that they'll look at for like 5 hours. Mm-hmm. I think that's my that's my list. Some dramamine, like obviously you handle that, but some dramamine cuz my kids always get a little my kids puke planes
0: i mean knock on wood henry has never puked on a plane he's just puked at a five guys in the rochester airport
1: (laughs) just plane adjacent but yeah
0: plane adjacent
1: i have just like a vivid memory of my flying alone with my two kids and they were both under like five years old and my youngest was probably two and a half and she like fell asleep right as we landed and then literally as the plane was deboarding i forget the word she just barfed everywhere and I oh, had to like God. oh it was just like and I was alone and I had two car seats it was just it's not easy traveling with young children it's really hard no
0: it's not I, you know he is potty trained now which I'm like is this better or, or worse like I feel like there's high probability of an accident um, but I guess that just is what it is Bring, I'll bring I mean, just, many
1: changes of clothes. Yeah, bring many little undies.
0: Okay. I'll bring many little undies.
1: In terms of COVID stuff, you know, I think it's just the usual. Keep that, wear a good mask, keep it on as much as you can, wipe everything down, Yeah. wash your hands. Someone told me you should blast the air, the air on your right? face. Yeah. But also, like, if you don't blast the air on your face, it's okay. You know, you can do everything possible and you could still get COVID or you could do nothing and not get COVID. It's like who the F knows at this point.
0: I know. I know. Exactly. <sighs> so. All right. Well, Kate, that was super helpful. See, this is what really I'm talking I'm about. So yes. Do you have any other hot parenting tips that I should know just while we're while we're talking?
1: I mean, I never got these, but I did have friends who got their kids suitcases that were also scooters and they would like scoot through the airport. Have you ever seen those? No. What? Yeah. Yeah, scooter suitcases. Yeah, so that's how they would get their kid around. I I, I think I was never willing to pay ah. the amount that the scooter suitcase cost, but A tiny suit, like anything that a kid could possibly carry. Let me make sure I'm not making this up. Yeah, scooter, suitcase for kids. Yep. (laughs) It's literally a suitcase that folds out into a scooter. Wow. They have thought of everything. I mean, yeah, if you're willing to spend the money, you can really... Well, actually, that does...
0: That is That does raise another question that I would like to throw out to you and uh, the listeners who might have experience with this. I was considering, not the scooter suitcase, although I am intrigued, I was considering getting Henry uh, a rolling backpack and having him be in charge of his own backpack. And I'm wondering if that is a good idea or if I'm just going to end up carrying it.
1: I think it really depends on your child. Yeah. And there's no way to know because I know. who knows what kind of meltdown your kids going to well, be Well, and having. also
0: who knows what kind of mood he's going to be in at 530 in the morning. Oh God.
1: Know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, he's, he's a big Henry do it person. <laughs> like he does Henry like to do Do-It. everything himself. And I think he would like giving him that task of like being in charge of his own suitcase, I think would be like very exciting for him. But I do worry about his like overall mood. <laughs> yeah. So
1: his patience, guess, like, yeah, Henry, not going to do it right now. Like, come on. It's yeah. Six a.m. Henry, and Henry I want to. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think, I think if I do
0: that, I just have to like be prepared for the inevitable.
1: Mama, carry right, You <laughs> might be. Yeah, you might be rolling a yes. tiny suitcase around. Yes, exactly. All right, well, listen, good luck because it's it's seems very uh scary out there right now with all these endless flight cancellations and like all this yes. stuff. it just feels ba- like like ooh. bags
0: getting lost, bag like did you see those pictures of Heathrow? No. Oh my god, there was like this huge breakdown in their baggage handling and like there there are these pictures on social media of just like a whole uh, baggage claim area just filled with suitcases like that were separated from their owners because everything like all the systems just like broke down. <laughs> this is why
1: this is why I'm dragging that carry-on on.
0: I know. I just I I don't think we can do all carry-ons given our, you know, small child.
1: No, I know. This is one. And I love checking a bag. Checking a bag feels luxurious and it makes everything so much easier. I am not yeah. opposed to a bag check. I know. Ever. But God, is it is it kind of challenging. All of it is so challenging right now. Yeah.
0: Hmm. And Good of course, luck, Dory. Uh, thank you. I mean, it goes without saying that like, I'm just glad I'm able to travel right now. Indeed. And I'm grateful that I am able to go and see family.
1: That said, the logistics are like a little stressful. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. I see you. I totally see you. So well,
0: thank you for seeing me, Kate. I appreciate you. I appreciate our listeners.
1: Well, Dory, should we introduce today's guest to everyone out there listening? We definitely should. This is a fun one everybody. It's Cameron Esposito. Oh yeah. That's right. Yeah, baby. That's right. Cameron Esposito is a Los Angeles-based stand-up comic, actor and writer. Cameron has appeared on oh, No Big Deal, NBC, CBS Comedy Central, TBS, IFCE, Cartoon Network and HBO Canada and in indie films Sundance, South by Southwest film festivals in big budget features for nationwide release and a comedy and musical of Music festivals worldwide. Cameron's podcast query features interviews with LGBTQ plus luminaries, including the likes of Roxanne Gay, Trixie Mattel, Evan Rachel Wood, Lena Waithe, and Tegan and Sarah Quinn. Karen is also the Karen. Cameron is also the co creator and co star of Take My Wife, which you know got rave reviews. And her most recent special, Rape Jokes, raised almost hundred thousand dollars for Rain. Her first book, Save Yourself, is out. You can get it anywhere you get books. And look, this was a dream come true. So a comedy icon? Yes, please.
0: Yes. All right, so we're gonna take a short break and we'll be right back with Cameron. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
1: dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince dot com slash forever35. Well,
0: Cameron, we are so excited to have you on Forever 35. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. Before we get into it, I have to ask you, as a comic, I mean, you obviously talk about the many challenges of life and a community and society, but like, is the pressure to ever, to have to find the humor in all of it? Is it ever like, do you ever reach a point where you're just like, I fucking can't, there's nothing funny about this or do yeah, you t- always well, have a way in?
2: Hmm. It's a good question. I mean, I've definitely been processing something and just had it not be funny yet, which is like a true bummer. I just mean in terms of like, you know, I think something is very funny and then an audience disagrees obviously they're wrong. Um but <laughs> this a different time that this is actually this that's that's like part of it, right? Sometimes things yeah. work, sometimes things don't. I think to do this job, you kind of have to be somebody who likes it when things don't work, like who mm. likes it when things are hard because if if I like want if I if I was satisfied ever with success, then I would just stop doing it. You'd stop when you had a good set. But the thing is, is like, when you have a good set, then you're like, I can't wait to do that again. And then when you have a bad set, you're like, I can't wait to do that again. I mean, it's like a an, an addictive process. But um actually the biggest betrayal I've ever felt from stand-up is that when I was like going through a divorce and I was super duper sad, I was funny. And that actually felt mm. worse. Because I was wow. like, don't you laugh at me? You know, like it just felt like, Um, I think I felt frustrated with myself sort of overusing this coping mechanism when it might have been healthier to do other things. So then I made some behavioral changes after I realized that.
0: Oh, that's really interesting that like (laughs) you almost were using stand-up as a crutch to process your divorce. I think all
2: comics – yeah, you, ha- you know, have an overdeveloped sense of humor from using it as a way of processing the world. And so, so right. I think sometimes when things are hard, that can be really amazing. You can be like, oh my God, thank I'd have this thing. Um, but that's the first time I've ever been like, no, like, <laughs> let me hold on <laughs> to the pain. Because I just felt uh, so bad. Yeah. I yeah. wanted to feel bad, you know, like I yeah. actually wanted to have the opportunity to have to um, experience negative feelings as opposed to joking around.
0: One thing, one other thing you just said really kind of pinged for me, which is like how stand ups and you in particular kind of navigate rejection. Because like you said, like sometimes you have these jokes that to you are really funny and then the audience it just like is like doesn't land for whatever reason, but you just have to kind of keep going. And like as someone who Like to me, that, that is like this, that feels very scary, right? Like kind of being up there and being judged constantly. And, you know, how do you kind of go on? Um, and so I'm wondering if you could speak to that a little bit, like how you sort of have trained yourself to deal with all this rejection assuming hmm. that you have not, not, I'm not saying that like yeah, t- every no, set totally. Is, you know what I'm trying yeah. to say yeah of course
2: yeah that, <laughs> I was I was um I was smiling out of recognition not out of uh feeling any judgment no um well so you know every character asset is also a defect right like having a really good sense of humor like I was just saying it's like okay awesome I survived all those things and then the other side of it is like a, a discomfort with negative feelings and and mm. like wallowing, for instance, is like not something that comes easy. But I think that that's there's a place in time for wallowing. Um, so anyway, some of what you're talking about, about dealing with rejection is like a version of codependency and looking to the other um, that I've been trying to heal in myself. So the negative mm. side of that is like not feeling like I'm good enough. To just make my own decisions sometimes. Sometimes I don't know if I like things. I'm like the kind of person that's like, what do you want for dinner? Oh, yes. The other side of that is, um, so I kind of think I always need to improve and something's like wrong with me. That's like, that's the negative. But the positive side of that is, it's very easy for me to take rejection and turn it into fuel. Because if you're somebody who thinks, since I'm somebody who thinks that something's like wrong with me, then rejection is actually like kind of the best gift you can give me. Then, I'm, then I'll i get better. Like mm. I will improve at this skill or something. But I have to make sure that I don't go too far into trying to change myself to make other people happy or trying to get my all of my needs met emotionally and spiritually from like the feeling of acceptance that comes with a successful set or somebody wanting to sleep with me or you know like any mm-hmm. any external validation
0: right because though that those highs can also be addictive yeah
2: exactly oh, yeah. right so they're so again like un unchecked then yeah. life is only about what other people can give you -hmm Anyway, I'm a very serious person. Every, no. every answer
0: is so serious. Well, I feel like I we mean, just like jumped right in with no.
2: That's I me. I don't fuck you. around.
1: I don't fuck around. I really do not. <laughs> I, I I appreciate it so much though because I think like this has also been such a weird time of reflection on our relationships with people when like people were kind of taken away from us in many ways in the pandemic both literally and figuratively, like, just this, like, how do I rely on outsiders feeding me and feeding my ego and my purpose and all that? I mean, I think a lot of us have had time to reflect on that. And it has felt terrifying. Totally. I mean, I would also say that, you know, social media is,
2: like, baking that into everybody's life, (sighs) regardless of what anybody's job is. In a yeah. different way. I mean, certainly, like, maybe you get that from your boss or from your partner, but I just think it's, like, so baked into life in 2022. Um, Like, did something even happen if people aren't applauding you for it? I think that thing is mm. the root of stand-up. <laughs> so, so, it's, yeah, anyway.
1: Well... You know, we we normally kick off our interviews by asking every guest about a self-care practice that they have in their lives and I we would love to hear yours regardless but now I'm even more excited because it sounds like you've been doing a lot of reflecting and taking care of yourself. So I'd love love to hear if you have a self-care practice that resonates with you.
2: Yes, totally. Um so I have been really over the last couple of years working on um my body and trying to be more diligent about um, like strength because Mm. I was, I've been on the road for so long. I started to have all this chronic pain and I was going to the chiropractor and I was doing a zillion things, but I wasn't like my main forms of exercise were hiking and walking and like those things kind of don't like build any strength. Um, So anyway, I didn't do this today and I'm honestly losing it, but I usually start my day um, with, uh, meditation and push-ups sit-ups and like little butt raises i do 200 Ooh. of each of those i do 15 minutes of yoga and i often try to run a mile that's the that's the day, the way i start the day so it's Wait, like it's 200 a moving meditation. sit-ups
0: push-ups and butt raises 200 mm-hmm. push-ups
2: yeah Ooh. Okay. and i and I, anyway but it's a and then I might do something else physical in the day, like go for a run. I have a running partner or I do like ballet classes. I swim and I'm saying all this physical stuff because it, anyway, it's really, it's like a, move, a moving meditation for me. And I never took, I never would take any like group classes, group fitness classes. It was like my biggest fear. I didn't want people to see me working out. I like never would have had a running partner. I like run five K's in like yoga pants. Just like any suburban white woman, which is not a uh, a space where I previously felt any um, welcomeness. Like I I just said, like I was taking myself out of that group. Like I was like, I can't do, I can't be around other people. Um, I felt like I was like the wrong gender for fitness. But anyway, this is something I've been moving into, and it's massively improving my self image, my pain, and also.
1: My happiness, how did you like move forward in like making yourself get into that space like when did you start getting comfortable not just like with first of all what a what a great daily practice meditation into calisthenics into <laughs> calisthenics, a one, really calisthenics. right that's the best word and then like how how did you kind of is it something that came with age was it something that came with your own self acceptance or were you just like fuck it? I'm here,
2: you know, I mean, not to like go back to this multiple times, but I've had two times in my life where like everything totally stopped. And the first time was when I came out, I like lost all of my, I lost my faith. I lost my, all of my friends and my family for a period of time, although that changed. Um, and the second time is when I got divorced because both times it was like, it was a complete reset. Like all of the friends that I had, the place that I lived, the, the thought, the things I thought would happen in my future, like all of those things changed. And so the first time when I, when I came out is like when I started doing comedy, actually, I I started doing comedy around that same time. Um, And then, you know, launched into that part of my life. And then when I, when I had this, divorce it was like a pretty it was pretty sudden and pretty wild experience and it like just shook me out of all of my um habits so like i had been using this coping skill from my childhood took it to like the end of it like made stand up a prof- profession moved to la like all that stuff then after my marriage ended i i this is what was like the catalyst for, for new openness. Cause I just was like willing to try anything. I felt so bad and I had to like totally rebuild. Um, so again, it's like, I don't know if I'm somebody who I ever thought would like have the confidence to pursue comedy as a job, but it's just like, I was in the lowest of the low. And so I was just like, help anything. And then that's when I found comedy. And similarly, um, I mean, it was like, I was, I was like, I was so depressed. And this woman who I knew from Chicago, from comedy, but hadn't been close with ever, ran past me on the street and I stopped her. And I was like, Emily, could I run with you sometime? And she was like, I don't like to run with people. And I was like, great. I don't want to talk to anybody. (laughs) She was like, I want to wear my AirPods. I was like, perfect. Me too. And she was, and I was also like, and I'm also, I'm in not in good shape. And she was like, (laughs) okay. So we started running together. First, we would run like a block. This was years ago. Now we run We run once a week together and we run 5Ks together and we're really close friends. And usually when we walk to warm up, we take our headphones out and actually talk to each other. But um, it all just came from like that level of willingness. Like the level of willingness to be like, help! Just stopping somebody on the street, you know? Um, Because... I like routine, you know, and if I can find something that makes me feel comfy, I'll stay there, you know. So this is something that I can have a lot of gratitude for in those two major life stops is that like it they massively accelerated my like growth and ability to to
0: try things. Well, and it's something like I've been thinking a lot about community in the in the wake of the nightmare that is this country, um, <laughs> in and, the wake of this country, yeah. This in the wake of over. this country, um, yeah. No, I mean, and the pandemic, and just everything, uh, and yeah. you know, I think one of the things that I'm trying to do in my life is like have more of those IRL interactions with people um, and build that kind of community. So that's kind of what I hear when you talk about having this running routine and this running partner who like, you weren't, you didn't really know. um, But you've like built this little kind of micro community with her. Yeah,
2: actually I have, I have pretty amazing community right now. Um, Which is again, shocking to me because it all, it was, it was like baby steps. Mm. Um, I started Trying to develop closer friendships um, a few years ago after a lot of years just spent focused like so hard on work. I realized that I only had coworkers. Like I didn't really have mm. friends. I, I thought because my job is a silly goof around job, I thought that those were my friends, but they're not my friends. They're just like, and I, and no, like. No shade intended. They're just, it's just, they're not my friends. They're my coworkers. And so I was just spending all of my time in like green rooms with people fucking around and doing bits. And it just was (laughs) like very lonely. Cause that's actually nothing like it's fine for work, but it's not like, it wasn't like feeding my self-esteem and my soul and like getting me anywhere. And so, um, in terms of growth. So anyway, I started working on friendships and, um, you know, like, asking people for coffee and walks lots of lots of walks and and then it like you know led to a place where at the very beginning of the pandemic uh one of these friends that i'd been like pursuing as a friend uh s- started a this like zoom we have a we have lunch this group of women i have lunch on tuesdays and fridays every on Tuesday and Friday on zoom i've
1: been oh, doing it for it. three
2: years um So yeah, it's like, anyway, that's, that's what I feel like has been a big lesson in my life is it's like, make a few teeny changes. And then like three years later, you're like, this is my, these are my people I have lunch with twice a week. Like I just never, I never thought that would even be something that could be in my life.
1: Not usually a joiner. Like, well, the, the, the small, I feel like sometimes when we get in our head, like, holy shit, my life is not. Like this is not going the way I want it to, or I'm not fulfilled here. And or at least this is what I do. And then it's like drastic changes must be must be made rather than like like you're saying, you made a small shift, you said yes to something, and now here you are years later, and it's become a really valuable routine for you. And that's just that's necessary for many of us to hear.
2: Yeah. I I also need to hear it.
1: <laughs> even, though I, <laughs> even though I'm saying it, I'm like, shh, listen. <laughs> Uh. Okay, well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad, they're just new. You know what I mean? Like, I am now just discovering crappiness, Dory. Mm. Okay. Which is okay. I know. there's a bull on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. And please support our show and tell them we sent you. All right, we are back. Karen,
0: how has it been kind of getting back into the world of live stand-up? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I want to hear about this. Um, it's been good, you know. I, I, well, first,
2: first, it was harrowing. I don't know what I was doing. I like started. I went on. A, I went on a, like a mini tour last fall, and that was idiocy. Like it just, mm. <laughs> I just felt like everybody was like, it was like a, a theater. If you're performing in a theater, which I sometimes perform at, the stage is typically a little bit higher. You could be a little further away from people. And so I was performing most I was performing from home for like years and then I was performing at a theater in LA and th- I think I've like forgot what stand up clubs are like and then I was suddenly in clubs the stage is low and the audience is usually like right at you. That's that's like how laughs best build. And I just felt like I was screaming into everybody's mouths and they were laughing into mine. And I was like, this is not the CDC did not say to do this, oh you know? God. And, um, it felt like dangerous and insane. Like it just felt like, right. Yeah. I look, I know I'm really good at my job, but like this is not worth it for any of us. And so I decided to take another break and I'm going back out soon, but I've been performing mostly in LA and, um, I think that maybe it's like, I don't know. I feel like... So I had COVID. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's like actually having it and recovering. Maybe it's like I'm also extremely vaccinated. I try to pick places where it's not like that such face-to-face interaction because mm. I don't think that's like the best uh for even an audience. Um But... Maybe it's just like a willingness to take what feels like a necessary risk, given that this is my job,
0: you know? Um, Do you think audiences have changed? Um,
2: for a minute, people felt so jazzed all the time. I think people Mm -hmm. still do feel jazzed. Um. And that's very cool, but I also think that I don't know. As humans, we can get like jaded pretty quickly. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't so feel like the audiences are like, we can't believe we're here anymore. I feel like we're right. a little bit past that.
1: I went back and watched one of your jokes that I have loved, which is your chunks jokes about oh. periods and. I was surprised that it was, I went, I was like, I love this joke. I'm going to go watch it. And it was from, it was posted on YouTube in 2015. And I was like, but this is still, this is still relevant. This joke still hits grainy
2: because it's (laughs) it's like not even a modern camera. It's like thinking about, yeah,
1: it was on a digital camera. Yeah. Uh, But I, I, I loved revisiting it because it felt like, like Jesus Christ, like this holds up more than many things from seven years ago, like this is still applicable and necessary watching and still very funny. I wanted to know what it feels like for you to go back and revisit old stuff, old work, especially in in the, in the ways in which things have changed societally since 2015. Um, You know, just in the wake of Roe and how it still feels like many people don't understand reproductive justice or even the reproductive system. Listening to you talk, explaining what actually happens when people menstruate was very empowering. (laughs) And it still is.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I love that joke. Um, And actually, one of the best things that I ever got to do was, so it's a joke that's like viscerally describing um, what a period is like in that it's like not um, clean blue liquid that goes onto (laughs) maxi pad on the television, but like. That chunks of your body come out. And I got to do that joke for, you could, I think you could probably find this for, it was on Comedy Central. I got to record it for Comedy Central. And at the taping, they were like, do you need anything special for your set? And I was like, can you get 200 jelly, strawberry jelly donuts? Because that's how many people were going to be in the audience. And so in the, during the taping, like, as I was about to do this joke, I paused. I was, I Pretending like we were not filming for a second, and I was like, "Are there any snacks? Do people look hungry." Anyway, pass out two hundred jelly donuts. People were eating strawberry jelly donuts, <laughs> and then I started doing this set about periods being like very goopy and visceral oh and God. strawberry and like a like a fr- anyway. So that was one of my most fun things I've ever gotten to do. But um, I don't know. I think I think your question about I feel like, yes, I'm happy to find out that I've actually said things in the past that I still agree with. And I have been, I think it is frustrating to look back at my own material that's like about unfettered access to guns, or that's about whether or not Planned Parenthood is a good and useful organization. And just to find out that those things are still really relevant. But um, I think another thing I just... Forget is that I've been doing this for a while. Sometimes, yeah, so I forget that. Mm. Like I've had a bunch of I've had a bunch of younger comics recently tell me that they like listened to me. Like Meg Stalter, I did her mm-hmm. show at at Largo here in oh, LA, and her. she was like, "Oh, I used to listen to your podcast." And it's like one of the reasons I thought I could do this. And I had my friend I, Addie weirich told me that just last night, and I was like, "Oh no, I've been <laughs> wrong long enough." <laughs> that I inspired people who are. Like not, not just breaking out. Meg's doing great. She's, she's, she's She's ascendant. Yeah. Yeah. She broke. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've been around for a minute, I guess. Hitting that, uh, hitting that sweet spot of middle age. You're what? Like four 39, 40. I'm 40. 40. Yeah. 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 It's weird when you realize like, oh, I'm, I'm looking down on the people coming up. Like they, it's uh, yeah, it's weird. It's a weird fucking place to be
0: i mean well something i was thinking about is like and correct me if i'm wrong about this but i I think you are like you're one of the only comics kind of 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 our generation because we're all in our 40s who you were you were out from the beginning um and you know it's so like now it's like that's not even no one not that no one cares but it's just like no one thinks twice about saying like, oh, I'm queer. And but at the time, you know, almost 20 years ago, that that was kind of pretty revolutionary. Um, yeah. And I was just I was wondering if you could kind of speak to how you feel like things have changed for people who are queer in stand up and what it was like for you in those early days um, yeah, as a definitely. queer person doing stand up.
2: Right. So there are generations, you're right. You know, like there are generations older than me who folks got famous and then came out. So, like Rosie or Ellen or Wanda Sykes. Um, Then there were some folks who were out, but they didn't hit to that level um, at that. Like, well, I mean, somebody like Margaret Cho wasn't like, she was, out, but her sexuality wasn't like the first thing that she was talking about um, when she was first starting. Um, but like Leah Delaria has been out forever and was like getting arrested on the street for holding somebody's hand um at a time when like sodomy laws would have been in place. Mm-hmm. But didn't really reach a level of like, you know, uh outside of the comedy world recognition until she was on Orange is the New Black, which is like, however that many, like 40 years into her career or something like that, like a long time. Um, So that existed. And then there are, there's this, like you're saying this, there's this generation of folks that younger than me that like, it's just so, it is so wild. Um, For me, there wasn't really anybody that I knew of who was older than me that started out. Like I didn't know anybody. I, like, cause I wasn't really aware of Leah. Um, and I was a fan of TIGS, but TIG didn't really talk about sexuality because there's stuff, so, cause Tig stuff was like more, um, I don't know, like nonsensical. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I really, it was like that thing of, it was a wild west. I mean, people wanted yeah. me to stop talking about being gay. I got that feedback all the time. Very strange feedback to receive since oh boy. all the straight people are talking about being straight. It's just like right. dating, love, sex. Those are some of the biggest topics in standup. So I only know how to write from a queer perspective because it's the only right. life experience I've had. Um But yeah, I mean, it was pretty, it was rough. Like, other comics did not want me to do stand standup. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, there were also no women and there were certainly no like out non-binary folks. Um, so it was like straight dudes were, were really who I came up around only straight dudes right. and most of them white. So yeah. Um, what it was like was. I think I have like a level of anger and damage mm. around going through that that like yeah. I don't, you know, I I'm I'm just going to have to work through it on my own because it's not going to be solved by anybody else. But I think for a long time I didn't even realize that I was angry. Mm. Um because there was also outside of stand up it wasn't different. So that's how I was treated everywhere.
1: Right, yeah. And
2: people were scared of me or angry at me. It was a really life was really hard. And it still is sometimes, um, but I think different now. And that isn't that long ago, you know, but people who are 35 or 30, their orientation to this is so different than mine,
1: than ours. And it's not that much time. That's what really blows my mind. There wasn't much time that has lapsed, but it's so, but it can be so different. Not always, but it can be. Well, it's I
2: think maybe just the best way to frame it is that it is the quickest moving it's the quickest civil rights movement in yes, US history. So, it doesn't even matter if it's like are people on a one-to-one basis always treating everybody sweetly is Texas making like no fucked up laws like no, sometimes people are still a dick to you and Texas is still making fucked up laws, but there has there's been no civil rights movement that when at this speed, so like we don't even have a framework for understanding. And by the way, that also sucks, right? Like, yes, like this yeah, is, we should, yeah. right? Should happen this quickly, but um, we don't really have a framework for understanding like what that does to people when things change that quickly. Um, because I think it's like a lot to adjust to <sighs> being like an illegal person, and then yeah, not being an illegal person.
0: Yeah, I was reading an interview that you did where you pointed out that you graduated college in 2004 which was when Massachusetts legalized same-sex marriage and that someone who had graduated like the year before or even the year after like had a totally different experience of that than you did yes. So wild right
2: yeah yeah I I the first week of my graduation, Massachusetts legalized same sex marriage and I became and I got my first job working professionally in comedy. And so I like entered adulthood and I entered my professional life as somebody with that right. Which yeah, like like you're saying, which which um would have been totally different if it had just yeah. been one year prior. And um that's wild.
0: Yes. <laughs> that's that's totally wild. A yeah. Oh, I'm like yeah. getting chills. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's a big deal. And I
2: still didn't have that right when I went then I moved back to Chicago and I like was and then I didn't have that right in Chicago.
1: Right. Wow. Mm. Yeah, states' rights is a real whole fucked up thing about this country. And now billions. I've been married twice. I'm trying to have as many marriages as possible <laughs> to like really make sure that I get just keep adding uh, them up. <laughs> yeah. Well, um in a complete change of gears. We want to ask you about your skincare routine because <gasps> that is at the heart of all the chit chatting we do on this podcast. And yeah, I'm, like, aware. I'm aware we like to ask everybody, right? Do you have a skincare practice? Do you enjoy it? Are there products that you like or do you not give a shit? Oh my God. I got to say,
2: please, please. Don't tell me that it looks like I don't give a shit.
1: You know, I know that's not what you're saying, but I just mean. No, it doesn't. So you, you, you look amazing, but I'm also okay. trying. We, we're striving to not like ever comment on anybody's appearance, yes, whether yes. positive, negative, or neutral, right. but boy, do we want That's
2: to. actually a really good idea. Good point. Well, but it's hard right? because the effect. It's really hard. <sighs> it's so that's hard. That's such a good point. I didn't even think of that. Thank you for telling me that. That's
1: really. Well, it's a conversation. So- enlightened we've been having that this here because uh, in in our podcast with our listeners because like sometimes you just want to say to somebody like you look great but like we don't want to do that it's very confusing it's very right right right. that's so helpful right good point we're trying to move um, into like
0: you look happy
2: uh,
0: (laughs) ah yeah
2: well and also like people people just might have skin that like they do have a really elaborate skincare routine or like one that they really put effort does not equal results totally always yes. in our, in the world that we live in because sometimes we're just dealing with different stuff. Uh, no, but for me, yes, I, um, I'm, I sort of, I, yes, I care about, I, I care about this. I care about this. I care about this. Um, the number one thing I would say that I do is go to the dermatologist. Cannot recommend going to the dermatologist enough. I think that is your baseline. That is my baseline. Um So I go to the dermatologist. Um And I use a couple different like acne products. Um Not currently a retinoid because I was scooping my eggs recently. Somebody was, I was having my eggs scooped out. And I didn't want to take a retinoid because it can fuck with your bod. Yeah. Um. But I, yeah, have like a prescription acne creams. Um. And then I also use like things like Keels, Dark Spot Reducer. Mm. Um. Because I want I like to have an even skin tone. Some of this is because I don't usually wear a lot of makeup. And, um, I think that we're so used to seeing people who wear makeup that if you don't wear a lot of makeup, the normal variations in skin tone can look fucked up because Mm -hmm. we're like, so trained to, and so much of my life is, um, being on stage or being in front of people that I just want to look my best and Feel my most comfortable without having to do something that like, like I'll wear like a tinted moisturizer or maybe I'll wear like a light um, foundation. But like I don't really wear makeup on stage, and um, yeah. So I do a lot of skincare. That is not really oh, sunscreen also. Yes, because we live in Los Angeles.
0: Yes, you know it's funny. I feel like s- we don't have many people bring up that they go to the dermatologist regularly. But you're right. It's Are such a. Are you serious? Yes. Yes. Oh, it's so important. It's so important. I agree. I love my dermatologist. <laughs> Is that weird? <laughs> um, yeah. Cameron, it's oh. been, it's been such a pleasure to get to talk to you. This was yeah, this really was a dream. Amazing. Thank you. Um, oh, yeah. Where can our listeners find you? What, what would you like to promote?
1: Where you can can find me on your
0: podcast.
2: I have a podcast that's called Query, but you know, right now, what I'm doing the most that I'm like pretty jazzed about is, well, co- you should come see me if I'm in your town. But how would you know if I'm in your town? I am like obsessed with Instagram right now. I've been doing reels lately, and they're I think they're extremely fun. And so you should follow me on Instagram, and you should watch my reels because I, I am enjoying them what is your Instagram, Cameron? Oh, it's just Cameron Esposito. Great. You're going to find it. I'll follow you. Um, Thank you again.
1: Wait, Doria, I have one final final question. Okay. Do, uh, as two people who grew up in the Metro West Boston area, you're a person who went to college in Boston. Well, in Newton, but in Boston. Do you have a favorite... Place thing about Boston doesn't have to exist anymore. Could just be from when you were there in the early aughts. But just to satisfy my Boston itch, do you have a Boston thing that you still love?
2: Yes, Honest Taqueria.
0: Oh do my you. gosh, yes, yeah, so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. Also, yep. Pino's Pizza. Did you did you eat? Pino's? Oh yeah, totally. Okay, totally. Yeah, me too. I'm yeah. from Brookline, so you know Pino's. Oh my was god, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Very I, but Honest
2: Taqueria... <laughs> With like so good. weirdly steamed burrito. Like, I don't know what that, I don't know why that's anything, but they were so good. And it was also like the first
1: time I had ever had cilantro. And uh-huh. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, it yes. changed my life. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for indulging indulging me. Of because course. I love a Boston reference, even though it's been many years.
2: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I'm, I'm on a TV show right now that takes place in Boston. And weirdly, that's I'm right. the only person on the show who ever lived in Boston. So constantly I'm trying to work in Boston references, but no, it's It's not working the same way that it worked with you two just now.
1: You know what? We're always here for a good Boston reference.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Thank Um, you, Cameron. Cameron.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. (sighs) Dory. Kate. You know, it's funny. We started, we started this episode talking about all this travel stuff and we both had the intention last week Of not trying to get overwhelmed with all the like pre-vacation work and logistics. You know, one thing that
0: we have not mentioned is that I think you and I both have, we have a similar approach to these two weeks where we are cramming a lot of stuff in, like that every time I start feeling kind of overwhelmed about all the recording that we're doing packed into a very few days is I just keep telling myself July off, July off, July off.
1: (laughs) Well, you said that to me and I was like, Oh yes, I'm going to adopt this mantra because the last two weeks of June are incredibly busy and stressful for me. And I, like, I just, there's a light at the end of the tunnel.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly.
1: And do you know what I did actually, Dory? I, someone asked me like about scheduling something in July and I went over into my calendar in July and it was like so blissfully empty. I was like, yeah I deleted we're gonna, we're all the recordings <laughs> yes we're gonna make this happen yeah we are our own bosses and we are gonna give ourselves this month
0: yes I know I'm really I'm really excited so
1: yeah here we go do you have an intention for this coming week? I mean I,
0: what I was also gonna say is that... I think in some ways my intention last week was a little
1: premature. Mm, Like it's ongoing.
0: It's ongoing. Yeah. So I think I need to like extend this intention (laughs) by another week because now I think, I think the last, I think last week I was really focused on like work pre-vacation madness. And now I'm kind
1: of like, oh,
0: logistics.
1: Mm Hmm. You have so, to get all this stuff done kind of at the same time.
0: Yes. And there's just, yeah. there's, so there's a lot of moving parts and guess who's in charge
1: of them. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that it's you. Yep. Good old <laughs> mom. Mom's mm, in charge of them. Oh, what a surprise. What a shocker. Um, what about you, Kate? So I, have an interesting intention this week. This actually comes from a listener where I was, I've been talking about how I felt really kind of down lately. And a listener reached out and was like, are you still taking melatonin? Because that has contributed to me feeling really kind of depressed. Whoa. I was like, I am still taking melatonin. And I'm also taking, I take these like magnesium sleeping things at night that uh-huh. that give me they give me extremely upsetting dreams. And I also noticed I've been waking up and I'm still feeling tired. So I'm thinking I need to take a little break from my sleep supplements.
0: Did so, you see that? Did you see those articles like last week about how um, children are taking way too much melatonin?
1: I I think I just saw the headlines. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I I – I imagine – somehow I've avoided giving my kids melatonin, but I feel like I am taking too much of it. Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. So that is my intention is to just really try to go to sleep without some sort of sleep aid, aid. this week and just – you have, Yeah, just see how it happens. See how it goes. Do you have kind of a,
0: a plan, any way that you're going to tweak your routine –
1: And now I'm just going to try to do the things that I know are good for me, which is, like, get off my screen, read my book, just close my eyes. If I need to, I could listen to, like, a little meditation, those sorts of things. Okay, that sounds good. I've
0: been doing this really fun thing the last couple nights where I wake up at, like, 3.30 or 4, and I can't fall back asleep until, like, 6.00. Oh, and that's then I the get, worst. And then I get like one more hour of sleep,
1: and then you and feel then I,
0: like almost sick all day. Yeah, and I like
1: I just like don't feel great all day. Is it anxiety? Is your body is something going on that you think is waking you up? I mean, this is
0: not like this happens occasionally. This is mm-hmm, not like mm-hmm. that unusual. I think it's probably partly anxiety, partly I think I'm also like not the deepest sleeper, so if something wakes me up, then I'm just up. Oh, same. Yeah. You know? hmm. So, yeah. So that's just, that's, that's
1: kind of been a bummer. I'm sorry. That's the worst. I, I, that's happens to me too, where I'm like up, I was up the other night from three to four and then I slept from like four to four to six. And it was like, this is not just not going to feel good today. Yeah, Totally. Like I don't feel horrible.
0: I think I would feel horrible if I hadn't fallen back asleep at all.
1: hmm mm-hmm. You know?
0: Um, and that was why at like six, I was like, Oh my god, I'm so tired. And I just I need to just try to go to sleep. And then I did I did go to sleep. All right. Well, Kate, I wish you luck in this detoxing journey. I guess thank you, and I wish word. you luck
1: in this. Uh, no, it's okay. No, I think it hasn't been co-opted. You can call this a detoxing journey. It's a okay. We detox I mean, I from our phones. This,
0: yeah, I think in the, and I think in this case, it is it is apt. You are trying to like, wean yourself off something. Anyway, indeed, I won't parse that anymore. Um, thank you,
1: Kate. Thank you, listeners. And of course Story February 35 is hosted and produced by Dora Schaffer and Kate Spencer. It's produced and edited by Sam Junio. Sammy Reed is our project manager and our network partner is Acast. Thanks for listening.